Welcome to Eat, Sleep, Wine, Repeat, a podcast for all you wine lovers who, if you're like me, just cannot get enough of the good stuff. I'm Yanina Doyle, your host, brand ambassador, wine educator, and sommelier. So stick with me as we dive deeper into this ever-evolving, wonderful world of wine. And wherever you are listening to this, cheers to you. Hello to all you lovely lot. Welcome back to part two of our chat with fantastic winemaker Kevin Judd. Now, this episode, as you already know if you've listened to part one, so last week's episode is focused on Sauvignon Blanc. Now, I want to get a little bit geeky with you before we taste those wines and Kevin gives his opinions. Now, Some of you may already have recognized that Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough is way more intense and concentrated and all those tropical notes and herbaceous notes are so lifted with Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Well, I'm here to tell you, the geeky part is, it's the, wait for it, methoxypyrazines and the thiols. Now, these are two very important compounds that give you the should I say wow factor, with Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. Now, interestingly, the methoxypyrazines are actually also found in Cabernet Sauvignon and in Merlot, hence why you can get those green notes as well. So I've spoiled the surprise. The green notes come from the pyrazines, the methoxypyrazines. So think grass, peas, asparagus, bell pepper, tomato leaf, these notes. And then the tropical notes like passion fruit, mango, uh, guava, they come from the thiols, which are also known as the macaptans. And there's some interesting thiols that are very, very lifted, certainly with Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. You may have heard of the term cat's pee on a gooseberry bush. Well, it's this cat's pee that comes from the chemical compound 4 m MP. Uh, there are also other ones. 3MHA gives you a lot of passion fruit, really sweet passion fruit, whereas 3MH gives you more of the underripe passion fruit with grapefruit. Now, this more intense thiols, these more intense flavors, apparently in Marlborough are based on those UV light, the fact that there's so much sunshine. Of course, site selection can change it, even machine harvesting and the yeast strains, and even how cold the temperature is when the wine has been stored after fermentation. But there's loads of other compounds that add flavours. There's esters and there's terpenes, but I just wanted to highlight two of the special ones that add a little bit extra to Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. So next time you've got a bottle at the dinner table, you can bring out some fun facts. Right, enough of the geeky stuff. Let's go over to the chat with Kevin now. Now, do you think we should actually drink some Sauvignon Blanc? Is it Sauvignon Blanc time? Let's do this. Right. You make two fantastic Sauvignon Blancs. I have the, we'll call it standard because it's made in the more standard way, Sauvignon Blanc 2020. (laughs) (laughs) And then slightly more off-piste way, which people may have already figured out, with a bit of wild yeast, some barrel fermentation, lees aging. This is the wild Sauvignon, which is a 2018. So I'm going to pour myself right now. I don't know if you want to do the same. I'm going to go with Actually, to be honest, should we pour? Should we pour them both and compare? Yep. Should we be crazy? Because right, <laughs> these, 
these wines are um, the sort of antithesis of each other in yeah. many, many ways, but they're both 100% Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc, but in in two very, very different um, styles. Very, very slight difference in colour, very slight. Obviously, the world is just that little bit deeper, but they're still both very pale, and if you weren't comparing, you wouldn't even notice. Okay, I'm excited. I have always adored your wines. Actually, these were one of one of the first Sauvignon Blancs I ever got to drink. When I started getting into the wine industry, I went to a, one of the Liberty Wines portfolio tasting and I was like, oh, what are these cool labels? And then I learned a lot about you and what you brought to the Sauvignon Blanc market. So oh. nice, nice to, to come back to it again. So, oh, OK, I'm drinking right. Well, I'm not. I'm sniffing. The standard. I keep is is standard okay? Do I need to come up with another name? Well, we, we <laughs> standard. Yeah, doesn't sound as good. <laughs> as long as you don't call it entry level. Oh God, no. The because then okay. I'll just have to hang up. Uh, I I am now sniffing the non wild Sauvignon. How's that? <laughs> you're 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 um, sniffing grey wacky Sauvignon Blanc. Okay, fine. Sorry. Um, thank you. You you tell me off. Right. <laughs> which which is which is which is our interpretation of the classic Marlborough style. And it is, what I like about it, you've got the gooseberry, the grass, you've got the, even a little bit of mango, so you've got exactly what you'd expect, but it's a little bit subtler. It's not, it's definitely not pungent and intense. The volume's turned down. Yes, it is. And I, I think that a lot of people are asking for that these days of course there is always a time and a place for a crazy in your face cloudy bay but this it's a little bit for me uh, a bit more mature a little bit more elegant it's evolved well um the older i get the the less i you know enjoy really acidic um tart styles of sauvignon blanc yeah and i've always really loved the more sort of tropical fruit spectrum in sauvignon blanc and i'm not a big fan of i mean i i think a certain amount of um the sort of greener end of the spectrum is, is um, expected and very much part of the Marlborough style. Yes. But we don't want to get too green. We don't want to get green bean and we don't want to get green capsicum and we don't want to get any of that sort of stuff. No. We don't want the be- we don't want the veggies. I don't think you are. To be honest, you get that hint of grass, but for me, it's the citrus, gooseberry, and a really nice, like, that yummy, ripe mango. That is what I'm getting. Well, mango is a good... A, is Are we okay great, with mango? Um, <laughs> I, I love mango. <laughs> Me too. What do you What do you get? Funny enough, on the palate, the minerality is coming through much more. I get this like powdery uh, taste on the finish. It's a, a quite nice textural wine. I still think it's very fresh. Um, it's not weighty or heavy, but I love this like stoniness even on the palate. It's very fresh, um, but it, it but it has, as you say, it's got some texture and some weight. Mm-hmm. We you know we're, we're cropping um, you know way lower than the the, the um, district average in terms of tons per hectare. We're, you know we're getting ripeness. The twenty twenty is I think thir- is it thirteen or thirteen and a half? I can't remember. This is thirteen and a half. Yeah, so that's right. I mean it's ripe fruit, um, and I, I and I'm working with some nice mature vineyards open canopies i expect the fruit to you know to, to to be have a sort of a certain golden look about it when it's harvested rather than being sort of green bright green in a, in a shady canopy which is 
you might get more pungency you might get more of that sort of passion fruit um, hit and more acid from those that sort of growing environment but I prefer mm-hmm. I much prefer the, the riper end of the spectrum mm. but you interesting you say that I definitely I agree with you because it's not too grassy but actually on the palate I am actually getting a little bit more passion fruit which I like I really like um, but I really really like exactly what you've said it's fresh high acidity but it's not um it's not tart it's not zippy like too much in your for me everyone who's listening to this this is um four nine o'clock in the morning um (laughs) i love recording (laughs) with people from new zealand and i am drinking this is my breakfast and uh, considering my palate is the most awake it's going to be all day it's not too intense i think that is the thing that i'm noticing that's a good sign right the fact that it's not it's 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 not playing games with me at the moment. It's actually really, really soft. It's very pretty. Now I'm going to compare. I'm going to compare to the wild. Now, whilst I'm having a little sniff and a taste, how are you making the wild Sauvignon? So in terms of um, the viticulture, there is um, is very little difference. So the, pick, the fruit is picked at, mm-hmm. at very much a similar time. It's, it's from the same pool of vineyards. We source Sauvignon Blanc from about a, d- a dozen different sites. Okay. Um, around the valley, and it's harvested the same way. In fact, sometimes we don't make the decision as to what is going to become a wild Sauvignon component, as compared to a, a grey wacky Sauvignon Blanc component, until until the fruit has actually arrived. Okay. Um, but we have got certain vineyards that we sort of um, have got sort of favourites for the to go into the wild, and and I guess very slightly riper fruit on average goes into the wild Sauvignon. But with both mm-hmm. wines, we're talking about a number of different batches. Um, that, they go to make the wine, but the difference is is all about the winemaking in this instance. It's, it's not about the viticulture; it's about the winemaking, and and okay. the winemaking is, is is the complete antithesis of each other. So the Grey Wacky Sauvignon Blanc, which we just tasted first, is what I would call modern modern winemaking. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's cultured yeast. So we're, I only use well two yeast: wild yeast and a, a workhorse yeast called Priester Moose or EC Triple One Eight. It's just a very um, very basic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very basic workhorse yeast that doesn't enhance anything or give okay. too much esters. So it's just a basic workhorse yeast, mm-hmm. and it's fermented nice and cool and largely in stainless. A little bit of it's fermented with wild yeast in in, in old barrels, but it's it's ninety percent of it's fermented in stainless steel, nice and cool, early bottling. It's all about capturing the you know the beautiful ripe fruit. Yes. And getting it into the market while it's still fresh and young and zippy. Mm-hmm. Whereas the wild Sauvignon, we put the same juice um, and we settle the juice the same way. And we put the same juice into mainly old barrels, a little tiny, a little less than just under ten percent uh, new barrels, um, mm-hmm. light toast, French oak. But the whole lot goes into barrel, and we do nothing. Mm-hmm. We add nothing. We add no yeast. We just put the we stack the barrels in the cellar and we carry on with harvest and get on with something else. We just leave it to we just leave it. So it, it, the grey wacky Sauvignon Blanc tanks that we've inoculated they're fermenting in three days, whereas the wild Sauvignon might take two weeks to start. Mm-hmm. As the as the wild yeast from the vineyard gradually build up in numbers and then they eventually start to ferment the juice. Do you find that any of the ferments ever gone wrong when you're using wild yeast? Because of course you know it's doing its own thing. 
Yeah, no, not really. Sometimes okay. they go wrong. They go wrong by smelling exactly like an inoculated ferment, which is um, oh, so not yeah, too. So they go wrong <laughs> by being too clean. Yeah. <laughs> if, if that's the worst way to go wrong, although it might not be what you were trying to achieve, it's not that wrong. <laughs> Occasionally, they go they go a little bit funky. But the thing with the wild Sauvignon is you have to have patience. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the sourdough of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc we're talking about here. This is you know, something that, that we don't con- we don't attempt to control too much at all. We, I mm-hmm. mean, we do monitor what's going on. We do top the barrels, of course, and we do keep an eye on what's happening. During, as I said, the fermentation takes quite a long time to start, mm-hmm. and then it goes quite rapid rapidly because we don't actually attempt to control the fermentation okay. at all. Normally we, normally we would do that with refrigeration, but we don't. So it ferments at whatever temperature it chooses. But it doesn't, because it's in a small barrel, it doesn't get much higher than sort of low 20s. And then it starts to slow down because these wild yeasts, they've come in from the vineyard. They're not, um, they, haven't, they haven't been um, trained to be alcohol tolerant. They're not selected for their alcohol tolerance. So mm-hmm. as, the ferment, as the alcohol increases, actually as the alcohol increases, the type of wild yeast that are present in the fermentation changes too because ah, okay. um, the, more, the more alcohol tolerant sort of Saccharomyces cerevisiae type wine yeast take over and, 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 and do most of the alcohol conversion. But even so, they're, they're still not, um, they're not alcohol, particularly alcohol tolerant. So they tend mm. to slow down as the fermentation progresses. Mm. And then by this stage, the cellars are cooling down because it, it gets pretty chilly here in winter. So the, our barrel cellars, you know, will get down to 10 degrees or less during the winter. So the fermentations slow down to a, and they sort of grind to a halt. And usually mm-hmm. at that stage during midwinter, there's usually a reasonable amount of residual sugar, so they haven't finished fermenting by okay. any means. And then, in the, and then in the springtime, the fermentations start to kick off again. Gosh, you have to wait. So how long generally is this fermentation taking? Well, usually in the springtime they go dry, um, okay. but sometimes they're, they're still sort of ticking off the last few grams of residual sugar um, when, we're, when we're taking it out just before the following harvest. So this is, this is really slow fermentation. Wow. But the other thing that we start looking in springtime, which is not that far away, um, we'll be checking the um, residual sugar on all our wild Sauvignon ferments, and we'll, mm-hmm. but we'll also be starting to monitor um, whether there's any male lactic activity, which is a bacterial fermentation. Yep. N- 99.99% of, of any Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc that you'll ever have drunk will not have had any no. male lactic yeah. fermentation. So um, using, I mean, male lactic fermentation is um, quite common in Chardonnay, Making, mm-hmm. but it's it's not particularly common in the world of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. So, are you letting mallow happen with this wild Sauvignon? Yeah, we like to. Uh, we aim for somewhere around two thirds of the wine to go through a lactic. Okay, mm-hmm. and then allows then the part of the wine that hasn't to retain that great crisp acidity as well. Is that what you're yeah. going yeah. for? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So the malolactic um, drops the acidity by a reasonable amount mm-hmm. um, and, and gives it more weight in the palate. It makes the taste intensely fruity. But it gives the wine other 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 sort of characteristics. I adore this wine. Try it. It's, it's so different. It's, you, 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 when you know it's Sauvignon and you're smelling it, you, like, you can get the aromatics and the tropical notes, but the texture and all the other flavours that you're getting. I mean, for me, it's like a pineapple that has been coated in honey and then barbecued. 
on a grill. It's got that that kind of that smoked tropical fruit edge where it's got well, it kind of is caramelized like a caramelized uh, pie, um, pineapple and it's mm. it's 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 so beautiful but yet when i smell it i can still get a little bit of lime and a little bit of you know green herbs and 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 a touch of grass not much but it's really flinty i just it's 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 cre- it's creamy at the same time it's such a lovely approachable delicious way to taste sauvignon blanc and i assume this is 100% sauvignon blanc you're not putting any other th- anything else in no tiny percentage of semillon or anything like that they would do in bordeaux right no we don't have any semillon <clears throat> yeah um, just checking no. i don't know does that it even is, grow does um, that grow in marlborough is there any semillon growing in marlborough there is a little bit, but not much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. We, we used to use it in the very, very early days of Cloudy Bay, but we ah, gave up because the, okay. the clones that we had, but Semion comes in various shapes and forms. And okay. the, the clone that, that we were using back then um, wasn't very reliable from a quality perspective. It was it was okay in a warm year, but it, mm-hmm. we eventually gave up because it wasn't, it wasn't, it was never really adding anything positive to what we were trying to do. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So, I, for anyone who hasn't tried this, I, I love both of them, and they offer very different styles. Obviously, they're not very different in price, certainly here in the UK. So, for people who want the uh, Sauvignon Blanc 2020 without any uh, wild yeast, well, only a slight percentage of wild yeast. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna undersell your beautiful Sauvignon. Um, you can get it for roughly around eighteen pounds. So anyone who wants it, I've had a quick look online. Vinum does it for eighteen. Robertson Wine does it for seventeen ninety nine, and Selfridges does it for twenty. But if you buy six, you get ten percent off. So it's around the same price. So that's really good value for the elegance and the beautiful subtleties I'm getting from the Sauvignon. The wild Sauvignon is literally. From Vinum again, £21.75 or N.D. John Wines, £22.95. So you're paying £4 more for this barrel-aged, wild-fermented wine that's taken you an extra year to produce. (laughs) It's incredible value, in my opinion. I, I think there's a time and a place for both, and I would certainly be very happy drinking the other one, but I'm really liking the fact that this is slightly more unique. I mean, there's not... How many barrel aged Sauvignon Blancs are coming out of Marlborough, do you think? There are a raft um, producers making um, what they now call the alternative styles, which is either wild yeast or malo or barrel or mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Yeah. But, but when, once you start producing that that much variety of winemaking techniques, you end up with quite a variation of different styles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the wild Sauvignon we think of as being our own very personal interpretation of Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc. That, that's arguably our our own version of it. I like your version of it. <laughs> and if I could only make one Sauvignon Blanc, this would be it. Ah, would it? Okay. Is that something you've learned through your winemaking that you feel that it need that this slightly more natural, hands off, but also textural style is the best style? Ooh, the use of best. No, I'm not saying it's the best. <laughs> no. If the best, you... the best is the is the one you like the most. And, ah, there and, you go. And from, from, for me personally, it's, yeah. <laughs> the bank would not. Be. 
Yes, I can understand. Yeah, it's, uh, having to wait so long. Now, why do you think Sauvignon Blanc grows so well in Marlborough? Why is Sauvignon Blanc being the 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 choice of grape there? I mean, it's it counts for like eighty five percent of the grapes that grow in Marlborough. They're Sauvignon Blanc. Why? It's just a, it's just a serendipitous combination of you know this South Pacific maritime climate and a grape yeah, variety okay. called Sauvignon yeah. Blanc. Mm-hmm. And Sauvignon Blanc is not the only wine that we make here that's of that quality. Our Chardonnay is, you know, if I, I say if we could only make one Sauvignon Blanc, I'd make the wild. If I mm-hmm. could only make one wine, it would probably be the Chardonnay. Ah, interesting. So you have a secret, not so secret, love affair with the Chardonnay. Why do you prefer the Chardonnay? Well, I didn't. I Should I, I not use the word prefer? I know I'm using really bad yeah. terminology here, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting you in a hole. I'm just very proud of the Chardonnay and that for many reasons, but it's a style that's um, the, the good ones are just world class. They're they're a very sort of grapefruity, very sort of smoky type um, style, quite you know quite different to a warmer climate style, and they age so well for so for so long. Mm. But wild the wild Sauvignon ages very well actually. I should I should have said that the give the give that. 18 wild Sauvignon another five years in the bottle and it will be um, offering a, a, you know, something quite different and something really, really interesting. Yeah, too late. Mine's already open. I'm not holding that one back. <laughs> when, when that wine that you're tasting tonight is another five years older, it will, mm. it will be um, doing great things. But then uh, Pinot Gris and Riesling are, are um, pretty excellent wines in Marlborough. But Sauvignon Blanc, I think, internationally has become a great variety that people can really rely on um, for delivering a fruity and almost always dry style of wine. Mm-hmm. Whereas Chardonnay can often be oak, too oaky or too fat. Or... Riesling can be, you know, sometimes it's sweet and people get confused, but Sauvignon Blanc is just a great variety that has uh, just such wide appeal and is so reliable. Yeah. Inter- yeah. internationally i think that's one of the one of the things that's added to the um the success now do you have some perfect pairings with these two sauvignon blancs is there a go-to for you when you crack them open well i think the the, the gray wacky sauvignon blanc sort of the classic fruity style is really really well i mean suited to really fresh food you know fresh um mm-hmm. uh white fish um Summary conditions. Nice ceviche, sea bream ceviche, yep. with a little bit of I mean, mango. With a little bit of mango. <laughs> I'm just saying. saying. <laughs> Anything really fresh, and it's just such a you know delicious match. I mean, if it's a really hot day and you've got a piece of white fish, you just can't find a better match than um, the grey wacky Sauvignon Blanc style. But if mm-hmm. if you're dealing with something a sort of richer and creamier, so, you know, sea. Um, shellfish um creamy shellfish dishes and things like that the wild sauvignon is is just perfect but while the wild sauvignon tends to be much more versatile in terms of wine and food matching mm-hmm. yep because it because it's not just fruity it's got you know like dried herbs and flowers and there's all sorts of different aromatics and there's a sort of wine which you can keep going back to over the course of a meal and you, every time you look at it you see something a little bit different well, first of all, because remember I had that smoky barbecued, well, it's not barbecued, but I felt like it was like a, a pineapple that had gone on the grill. If you took some huge prawns and put them on a barbecue and then laced them in 
and lace them in butter, a little bit of garlic and some fresh herbs. I mean, that would be literally divine. But but I also think it could handle, like you said, again, a roast where I would take something like a slightly oaked Chardonnay for a roasted chicken. It would work really well. So something that has been put in the oven and has started getting that crispy skin and again, loads of rosemary and loads of thyme and all these other different herbs all over it would be would be fantastic right just wondering wondering what's for dinner oh well you you nearly are dinner time for me it's just gonna be some <laughs> egg, it's probably gonna be some eggs or something but for breakfast but in terms of um Sauvignon Blanc you're growing everything in Marlborough oh sorry making wines from Marlborough have you ever been tempted to look at doing any wines in any of the other regions of New Zealand well when I when I um started growing here it, it was a blank slate Mm-hmm. Um, and it did cross my mind that I could do that. And then one day someone told me, um, pointed out to me that life was short and <laughs> there's only so many things you can do and, and do it well. And, uh, and uh, I decided to focus entirely on Marlborough, and I'm really relieved that I did now because life is complicated enough as it is. <laughs> um, we make seven wines. We sell to 50 countries and we've got a team of seven people. I mean, oh, I guess I, I could employ that. more people and make wine elsewhere. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think there, during the Cloudy Bay days, I always believed that there was a real strength in, in devoting all your attention to the Marlborough. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I still believe that that, that, that is um, – I mean, Marlborough is a, a superb region, for, you know, climatically. And we make a whole bunch of great styles of wine and I've been here – you know, almost all my working life. So that yeah. When you're drinking Sauvignon Blanc, though, obviously examples come out of Martinborough in the Northern Ireland, and also uh, Hawkes Bay, of course. Do you feel that they are quite stylistically different to Marlborough? You know, if somebody was explaining, was asking you, how is Marlborough compared to the other regions growing Sauvignon Blanc? Would you be able to explain a difference, or would it depend on where it comes from and the winemaking? Uh. It always depends to some degree on the winemaking, especially mm-hmm. if you're talking about um, the you know the more alternative styles. Yeah. But in general terms, the um, the Wairarapa, which is, includes Martinborough, the southern yes. tip tip of the North Island, um, does does tend to produce quite similar styles of Sauvignon Blanc to Marlborough. Okay. As as does uh, Nelson, and mm-hmm. also in the upper upper north. And I think, you know, there might be in a different island, but the latitude is not that different between um, the Wairarapa and Marlborough. So that's not surprising, really. Mm -hmm. If you go further north to Hawke's Bay, there are very few examples of Sauvignon Blanc that taste like um, the the wines we we make in this part of New Zealand. Mm. And they tend to be more, much more into the tropical fruit and less of that sort of zing. Ah, okay. um, Which would certainly suit some people. But yeah. up up there, they te- they tend to focus their attention on other varieties rather than um, yeah exactly. In fact, exactly. in fact, a lot, a lot of Hawke's Bay producers also um, have a Marlborough Sauvignon Blanc in the portfolio. They know where it's at, because, don't they? <laughs> well, in the world, you know, it d- the name does help do the sales, doesn't it? No, Marlborough it's to... Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, New it Zealand. does. I mean, it sells it for you. It, it, it's, it's such a powerful, it's such a powerful draw that in the, mm-hmm. particularly in the US, it's very hard to sell anything other than that from Marlborough. Wow, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we should be thankful for that. But is from one aspect of it, it's a bit frustrating that we can't put other our other wines in front of people because they just the Sauvignon Blanc thing is just such a strong 
combination that everything else is sort of lives in this in this shadow yeah yeah no I understand and like you said anyway life is too short with all the amount of projects you have and I just want to focus on one project that you have because I feel like everyone needs to know that you're not just a one trick pony aka just a great man (laughs) you do the most excellent photography so I don't know how you fit in running an incredibly successful winery with taking the most stunning photos that's very kind thank you yeah tell me tell me about your photography quickly well photography has been going for a very long time um Mm. i was interested in photography before i was interested in wine actually Ah, okay. it it was literally just a a hobby i mean I, i guess my father had a dark room and he did a few weddings and when i was when i was a youngster in england they had a dark room in the back of the shed Ah, it all comes out now. And that, and that all intrigued me. And then at high school in Adelaide, I did photography as an elective, but I've never trained in photography as, as such. Well, it always you, intrigued me. you quite clearly do not need to be trained. People can go to, on, I've, I've been checking out the photos on Instagram, on your account. What's your Instagram account? Remind me. Grey Wacker. Grey Wacker. So if people go to Grey Wacker, they can see some of the most beautiful pictures. I saw these gorgeous <laughs> pictures of the Omaka Valley. So this the is Grey Wacker. The, <laughs> the Grey Wacker. It's a very good name. So the Omaka Valley, where you obviously have like the Pinot Noir. Um, there's this that beautiful picture of the Richmond Ranges. Actually, it's not just one picture. There's loads. But you've there's a book out that people could check out which is called the landscape of new zealand wine right so it's just is that all your photography of new zealand yes just i assume it's that's what it is <laughs> yeah that's, um, that's what the books uh, that, that was my second book i did one called the color of wine which was just marlborough and then i did the landscape of new zealand wine ah, the color of wine okay so you've got a, so that's the one if anyone is marlborough focused the color of wine and they can get a real feel for what marlborough looks like What's yeah but that's the best? out of print Oh, oh. That's been out of print print. for a long... Oh. Well, I published it in um, 1999. Oh, how do we get to see those photos then? So we can feel like we're in Marlborough. Well, that's a good question. Yeah. (laughs) What is the best time to see Marlborough? In dusk, dawn? I got an email from the Picton bookshop to say that they... The second-hand bookshop to say they'd had a returned copy so I can put people in touch with him. (laughs) Ah, there we go. The one copy. Okay, everybody, anyone who gets here first, you can get the one copy that we know still exists. I need to to digitise that book, but I have have got the landscape of music. New Zealand wine on on my photography website, so you can flick through the pages of Ooh. virtually thick. What's it called? KevinJudd.co.nz. Fab, and that will have all. Does that have all your photography on it? Uh, not a bit. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I I built the website using Squarespace about two years ago, and then I haven't loaded anything since. So it's it's got oh. um. It's got one dogs uh, of New Zealand, which I did, and okay. the landscape of New Zealand wine, which you can flick through both those books. It's got a print okay. series that I've done for Cancer Society, which is available, and um, and a bunch of stuff. But if, between the photog- photography website and the, my Instagram page, and if you uh, scroll back through some of my Facebook stuff, you can get it. Exactly. I don't do so much, I don't really wine photography anymore. I've sort of done that. I was okay. My, all my work was is represented by Seafast Picture Library in London. Okay. All right. That's There's about two thousand of my pictures on the the Seafast Picture Library website. 
Okay, we'll, let we'll me search more places. Look, so everyone so, has an idea now where to see this. So what my advice to everybody is, go and get a bottle of Grey Wacky, whatever you want. It doesn't have to be Sauvignon Blanc. There's even a sweet wine. There's the Pinot. There's the Pinot Gris, the Chardonnay. You, the biggest markets are US and UK, which is also my biggest listenership. But you said 50 countries. So most of you hopefully can get a bottle. Sit down, load up the internet. Go to the website, go to Instagram, and just indulge in the photography and the wine of Kevin Judd. That's it. That's it. There you go. That's the plan. That's a weekend plan for you all. There is your tasks, your homework for the weekend. The Instagram page has got, has got um, 150 or something portraits of winemakers. So if you want to see the photography I do these days, they're about 20-year-old portraits. So you need to scroll down past that to get to the... I did, I, and stuff. I did, and then there's lovely birds, and there's other landscapes, and amazing That's photos correct. in America. I know I d- I've done my research. So, Kevin, oh, thank you. I have, Kevin. Thank you so much for just giving us that little uh, run through of the wines you make, why you make them, how you make them, why, how, what, when. And anyway, where. <laughs> and where and where, why, when, what, how, where. Um, thank you, Kevin. Have an amazing dinner. Have an amazing evening and I shall, you can think of me in 12 hours time when you're waking up tomorrow and I shall be drinking these wines and enjoying them with my dinner. Good on you. Thank you. <laughs> Have a great one. Speak to you soon. Okay. Take care. Bye. ta So there you have it, Kevin Judd, the Sauvignon Blanc King and the photography king as well. And as we are talking photography, I'm going to cheat a little bit and take you to a photography quote that I found to finish the podcast. And this is by an American photographer called Ansel Adams. And he says, you don't make a photograph just with a camera. You bring to the act of photography all the pictures you have seen the books you have read, the music you have heard, the people you have loved. I kind of love the sound of it. It's rather romantic. He's obviously missing as well the wines that you have drunk, but we will forgive him because certainly with Kevin's photography, he definitely brings to the photography the wines he has drunk. So thank you to all of you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and the one before. Please do make sure you've subscribed on the podcast app that you're listening to. Share it with all your wine-loving friends and like, leave a comment if you can. Well, I certainly have some yummy wines to keep me going for tonight. I hope you do too. So I raise my glass and until next week's episode, cheers to you.